a few years back when I was a lead pastor of a church in Thunder Bay, Ontario, I was arranging to have a well-known preacher at that time by the name of Tony Campolo come to my church. Maybe you've heard of him, maybe not. If you've ever heard him speak, you know not to sit in the first two rows of the church because as he speaks, uh, the first two rows get sprayed with a spit as he speaks with energy and excitement and, yeah, a lot of spit. Sounds gross today, and with COVID, it really is gross, but it was what it was. As I was booking Tony to speak, I got an interesting request from his office. Tony did not want us to put him in a nice suburban hotel. He wanted to be downtown, maybe inner city. The hotel did not need to be nice and spiffy. So I asked why, and the person I was talking to said, well, Tony, when he has free time, and sometimes he doesn't sleep well at night, he likes to go walk the streets of inner cities, check out the all-night coffee shops, and talk with people he meets with, uh, pray for them, tell them about Jesus. He, he just has conversations with people on the margins and helps them to experience love as he lets them know that there is a God who loves them. So we booked Tony into a classic old downtown hotel called the Prince Arthur. It has seen much better days, and Tony loved it. He spoke at, at my church, and I made the mistake of sitting in the second row without a raincoat. But yeah, he, people were touched and, and changed by God just used them. And that evening, he walked the downtown streets of Thunder Bay, and he kind of lived and loved like Jesus as he walked those streets. I have met very few people like Tony who not only preach well, but so visibly and radically live what they preach. Every time I think of his time in Thunder Bay, I'm challenged. And the question that I keep asking myself, a question that I want to ask all of us today is, do we walk the walk or do we just talk the talk? Is our faith more talk than action? And I ask that question as we continue in a series of studies in the letter written by uh, Jesus' little brother James, it's an amazingly practical letter that really calls us to walk and not just talk the talk. And as we go through this series also, I just want to acknowledge uh, Rick Warren because I'm grabbing some ideas for him uh, throughout this series. But last week, we were in the second chapter of this letter where James talked about mercy triumphing over judgment. We looked at the fact that we Christians are to be people who are not just jerks about our faith, but that we do mercy, that we show love in action. But, into getting, uh, but in getting to that part of the letter of James, I, I skipped over a verse that I thought was maybe a little bit repetitive, but it's actually a very important verse. So I felt one of those prompts from the Holy Spirit to go backwards and unpack uh, all of these words that James wrote. So here's what I skipped over. If you really want to keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. And what I want to do today is talk about putting that into action. The royal law, love your neighbor as yourself. Let, let me back up a bit and give you a bit of my story. For about six years during my university and seminary years, I attended this church in northern Scarborough, which is a part of Toronto, this small assembly of believers comes out of a movement called the Plymouth Brethren. Like any movement, this movement has huge strengths and it has a few weaknesses, as we all do. And a handful of you listening come from this kind of background. It could be described as a fairly conservative Bible-teaching movement. And the leaders of this church saw some potential in me and, and worked to develop my preaching. 
In this church, speaking was shared among a number of men. Yeah, on the conservative side, only men could speak. And that included, though, young men like me who might not preach well but had potential. Man, they endured a lot from those of us they put in the pulpit. And I was terrible, but they loved me and cheered me on. And I'm just thankful for the opportunity and the encouragement. But this church, like many churches, was all about proper teaching and holding strong to the truth, which are good things, very good things. I was taught well and learned how to teach others somewhat well. They liked me. I mean, it was a very affirming experience for me. But what I started to notice was that we as a church family, and this was true of me personally, our knowledge far exceeded our actions. We talked a lot, studied the Bible a lot, as if the only action required of us to follow Jesus was to be able to study the Bible and be part of a Bible-believing church. And it was reading the book of James, actually it was in a Bible study in the book of James, where I began to get convicted about all of this. There's a verse in James that we'll probably look at next week where James says, What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? In other words, James is saying, if you talk the talk, you got to walk the walk. What you say you believe, you must practice in your life. I don't mean to be harsh on that church I attended. It was and is a good church, and heck, they are not alone. But the truth was we were so blasted proud that we were a Bible-believing Christians that it never occurred to us that we weren't doing a lot of what the writers of the Bible were calling us to do. Now, there was stuff we didn't do, right? I mean, we didn't drink, dance, smoke or chew, or go around with girls that do, stuff like that, as if those don'ts were the actions that God required of us. But we were a bit weak when it came, you know, to some of the do's. So that brings us to these words of James. If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. Now, of course, James is quoting what's called the great commandment of Jesus, his half-brother. One day, a man came up to Jesus and he asked a question. Of all the commandments of God, which is the most important? And Jesus says this. The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul, and all your mind, and all your strength. That's the number one commandment in life. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then he says, now the second commandment is this, love your neighbor as yourself. And then Jesus says, there is no greater commandment than these. Now, if we have any grammar police here, this is a little bit confusing. Jesus starts by speaking in the singular. The most important commandment is, he's speaking in the singular, and then he ends by saying there is no commandment greater than these. Now he's talking in the plural. So what is it? One or two? Singular or plural? God says they go together. You can't love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength if you don't love your neighbor as yourself. You can't love your neighbor as yourself if you don't love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. God considers them one commandment with two parts. Love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. Love God. Love others. And this command with two parts is repeated not once, not twice, not three, four, five, six, seven, eight times. No, nine times it's repeated in the Bible. Love God. Love others. It's like God saying, come on, people. 
I don't want you to miss this. I don't want you to forget this. This is the top thing to do. Love me and everybody else. Don't miss this. Don't forget this. Don't ignore this. Don't minimize this. So next to loving me as God, this is the second most thing I put you on earth to do, and that's to learn how to love your neighbor as yourself. James calls the second part of this commandment the royal law. It's important. It's key. I mean, if you don't get anything else about the Christian faith, get this, the royal love, the royal law, love others. And yeah, this isn't rocket science. It's really not hard to understand. It doesn't need in-depth interpretation. You just need to do it. You just need to love your neighbor as yourself in this next week. And can I throw in a side note here? There is nothing that our God commands us to do that he won't enable or empower us to do. The Apostle John says we love because he first loved us. Jesus is the source of our love. Paul says the fruit of the Spirit is love. Our God doesn't just want you to know about him. He wants you to love like him. And when you invite Jesus to come into your life to be the leader and the forgiver of your life, when you say, I have decided to follow Jesus, what happens is the presence of God himself comes into your life. You're filled with God's love as the Spirit fills you. And when you're so full of God, so full of his love, that love just spills from you to everyone else. Friends, this is the brilliance of the Christian faith. We have a God who supernaturally empowers us to live and love like Him if we'll allow Him to do that through us. So just ask Him. Invite Him to fill you with His love. When we say at Fort City that our mission is to make Jesus visible as we live and love like Him, what we're talking about is being people who are supernaturally enabled to be like Jesus to the people we rub shoulders with day in and day out. That's why Jesus says to us, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Because it is Jesus himself loving through us. It means I can do this not in my own strength, but in his strength. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It is Christ living in me that transforms me into a person who, won't, who not only looks more and more like Jesus, but lives and loves more and more like Jesus. I mean, yeah, we become better lovers. They'll, they'll know we are Christians by our love. How sweet it is. I mean, how awesome it is to have the Holy Spirit giving us that ability that uh, we don't ourselves fully have. Sure, everyone can love, but Jesus wants to give us a, a love and ability to, to love that is greater. Okay. Last week, we defined mercy as love in action that we should be a people full of mercy. But maybe I should go a, a little further and define love. Uh, let's do that. What is love? Honestly, it's a, a bit of an overused, incredibly misunderstood word. A, a lot of people, you know, think love is a feeling. Not quite right. Love is not so much a feeling as love creates feelings. You love by what you do, and then the feelings follow. Love is an action, and the feelings follow. Let me say that again. Love is not a feeling. You, you do understand that you can't command a feeling. I command you to be happy. Mommy, mommy, I'm trying, I'm trying. It doesn't work. You can't command a feeling. A, a lot of people think that love is a sentimental knot in your stomach, you know, uh, an ocean of emotion, a quiver in your liver. It's goosebumps. Come on. 
feelings are fickle, right? And, and if you get married on, on what you think is love and all it is is a feeling, your, your marriage is going to come crashing down. Marriage is a commitment, a commitment to love till death do you part, a, a commitment to action. Because come on, how many of you always feel loving towards your spouse? Love is far more than a feeling. Okay, another myth that's out there is that love is uncontrollable. I mean, what do we say? I, I just, you know, I just fell in love, kind of like I just fell into a ditch. I, I, I fell into love. Yeah, people think that love uh, cannot be controlled. You know, I, I just couldn't help myself. I'm in love with her, and that's really baloney. You, you were very much in control. Same way when people say, I can't help it, I just don't love them anymore. That's not true either. You can help it. Love is a choice. And with Jesus, love is a, cho a choice that is empowered by the Holy Spirit. Your feelings may come and go, but that's not what love is. So let me bring some clarity to what love is. You might have actually already figured out some of what I'm going to say here, but number one, love is a choice. The Apostle Paul describes it this way. He says, put on love. The New Living Translation does it this way, clothe yourself with love. So, yeah, putting on love is like getting dressed. You have a choice as to what shirt or what pants you're going to wear today. You choose to put on love. You, you choose to love people and you choose to not love other people. Love is a choice. When I was dating, I asked Jane one time, why don't you marry me? Is, is there someone else? And she said, there has to be. Okay, that's not true. It's not true, but it's a good story. But the truth is, I, I held back for years on popping the question, and Jane almost gave up on me. True story. I'm glad she didn't give up on me and waited. That, too, was a choice, a choice to love. Something else about love. Love is an action. Love is something you do. The Apostle John says, let us not just love with words, but with actions. It's like the guy who was dating his girlfriend, and he said, Oh, you know, I die for you, my love. And she says, Oh, Bill, you're always saying that, but you never do it. <laughs> love, it's something you do. Love is more than a thought. It's, it's more than a feeling. Otherwise, God wouldn't command it. It's a choice. It's a choice that can be enabled by the power of the Holy Spirit. So let's just get a little bit practical about this. I mean, there are just millions of ways that we can express love, do love, be Jesus uh, to other people. And I don't have time to throw out a pile of ideas. Again, it's not rocket science, but to prime the pump to help us get thinking, I, I threw this question out on social media last week. As we move into winter with a pandemic hanging on, what are some practical ways that we can love our neighbor, whether that's on your street, at the hockey rink, or at work? Lucas threw out there, well, with snow in the forecast, maybe get out there and shovel someone's driveway. I'm still waiting for Lucas to show some love. Uh, Crystal Blackmore responded that her son loves to shovel. That's awesome. Someone else posted that she simply gives money to street people in need, whether they're intoxicated or whatever. Someone else talked about sending baking and meals to neighbors. You know, whenever they sense baking or a meal would be a blessing for that person. Another person said dropping off treats. And the one I really like is I check in on people. I think that one is huge. People right now are drowning in despair and pain. They need to be checked on, in on, encouraged, prayed for. Maybe they need us to do an errand for them or, or something. Check in on them. Uh, 
Check in on people and just ask what they need. I think that's huge. Hey, I was really excited when I saw several Fort City families go all out for Halloween. They decorated well. They didn't just give out candy at the door. No, they got out of the house right onto their driveway, uh, had the portable fire pit going, had coffee and hot chocolate for cold parents and kids. Oh, and lots of candy. But by being out there, they, they got into conversation with their neighbors. They created a little more joy and cheer on Halloween. They, they built relationships. It was awesome. And it got me thinking about this word from the Old Testament prophet Zechariah. Each of you will invite your neighbor to come and enjoy peace and security in the shade of your vineyard and trees. Okay, this is Fort McMurray. You don't have a vineyard. But maybe it's your back deck, your fire pit, your garage, your driveway. Maybe loving your neighbor actually just starts with the neighbors where you live, like, like right on your street. And I might add, this means getting to know your neighbors, right? King Solomon once said, to have friends, a man must show himself friendly. Well, yeah, right? I, I like how the contemporary English version translates these words of Paul. Be friendly with everyone. Be friendly with everyone. And we got to start where we live and work. We have to make friends with ordinary people as well as people living out on the margins. You want to be a follower of Jesus. You need, want to live in love like Jesus. You, you need to learn to be friendly. You need to make friends with ordinary, everyday people as well as people out on the margins. Sometimes Christians do neither. Sometimes they just make friends with other Christians. To be honest, that church in the north of Scarborough I told you about, we, we weren't encouraged to make friends with people outside of the church. Friends had to be from the church. Those outside of the church were just people you talked to Jesus about. They weren't really friends until they became Christians. But man, that's not how Jesus operated. I mean, Jesus was a friend to sinners. That means a real friend. And that means we ought to be friends just for the sake of being a friend, authentic friendships. And... As friends, we do know that the ultimate act of loving our neighbor is helping them come to know and experience the love of Jesus personally. The ultimate act of love is when you become a bridge to Jesus for your neighbors. There is no greater gift that we can give our neighbor than the gift of Jesus. But friends, we're not pushy or weird about it. We're just good friends who others love to be around us. And because of our authentic friendships, bridges develop over which we can bring people to Jesus. And it might be a little too early for me to be raising this, but you might start now thinking about who you would pray for and invite to our Christmas Eve services. It's really powerful in person, but they can also watch the service online. We're hoping that the government drops the 30% auditorium restriction by then, but if not, one of our plans is to produce a high-quality Christmas Eve service rather than just live streaming it. Um, and then we'll go in person with the 30% restriction. We'll have at least three services, maybe more, we'll see. And every Christmas Eve, Fort City people invite friends, neighbors, and co-workers to our services. And, and every Christmas Eve, some of those who were invited have a profound life-changing experience with Jesus. They feel, I mean, we get reports, they actually feel the life-changing presence of Jesus in that service. And this actual experience with Jesus has led many to start a whole new journey with him. And that happens in person, and it can happen online. So I'm going to ask, who are you going to invite? Start thinking about that now. I mean, take a risk. What's the worst that can happen? They might say no, but they might just say yes. 
So much more I'd love to say, but let me sum up and say again, love is a choice, love is an action, and friends, God made the choice to love us and to do something for us. God took action and sent his son Jesus to rescue us from the sin and the mess that we are in. In the famous words of the Apostle John, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God made a choice and he acted so that we would have life now and life forever. In a moment, we're going to respond to this message by participating in communion. Communion pictures God's choice to love us through Jesus. In a moment, I'm going to invite you to come forward to the communion tables here and, and get the elements that are in this little contained package with bread and juice. As you come forward, you are making a public declaration that you are a follower of Jesus and that you are declaring that you are committed to live and love like Jesus, that you will live a life of sacrificial love serving others, that you will, in a sense, lay down your life, that you will give of your time, your abilities, even your finances to love others as Jesus has loved you. You know, when you come forward, you're kind of saying, this is who I am. You can take the elements then back to your seed and carefully peel off the upper layer and partake of the bread that pictures the body of Jesus that was nailed to the cross so that we would have life. And then peel back the next layer and drink the juice that pictures the blood of Jesus that not only forgives our sins but gives us the power to overcome the mess that is in our lives. And as you do this, remember that the ultimate choice to love the ultimate act of love was Jesus laying down his life to pay the penalty for our sin. Jesus died that we might receive God's love now and forever. The Apostle John says we love because he first loved us. Jesus loved. He died as an act of love. And now he calls us to love passionate and sacrificially as he did. So let me give thanks for the bread and juice and then you can come forward whenever you are ready and receive the love of Jesus for yourself and commit to letting that love flow freely through you. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you for so loving me. Thank you that you took those nails that I deserve. You bore my pain so that I wouldn't have to. You purchased my life so that I could live now and forever. And Jesus, I, I thank you for so loving me that you shed your blood that I might be set free from the penalty and the bondage of sin. Thank you that you purchased my freedom, life to the full, now and forever. And as I eat this bread and drink this juice, I make a commitment to love others as you have loved me. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.